Shiloh Jane. We gotta talk about something. Do you know at our house, we have a thing where we make you try food sometime, don't we? Mm -hmm. What is that called? What do we make, what do we do to try food? No thank you bites. No thank you bites. And no thank you bites are all about getting you to try something new, right? So for instance, if mommy cooks some squash, Yes, that's what I always do. You always do don't thank you bites on squash? Yeah, I do actually. I eat all of it from, from So home. we made you took a no thank you bite and then you ate all your squash? Yeah. Um, what's a food that we made you take a no thank you bite and then you really liked it? Um, I think asparagus. Asparagus? Okay, well that's good because daddy doesn't even really like asparagus that much. Do I it? like asparagus because on the top it's crunchy. Oh yeah? Because it's crunchy on the top? Yes. I want to do something silly. I brought a I brought a really nasty food for you to try. You don't even know about. Oh. I want you to close your eyes. Okay. I'm gonna open it, and then I'm gonna want you to take a bite of this really nasty food. All right, this nasty no thank you bite. Are you ready? Ready. Open your mouth. Uh -huh. mm. Good. Oh, it's a good no thank you bite. What is it? It's Oreos. It's an Oreo. Oh. Man, wasn't that fun? Mm -hmm. Isn't it great when you take a no thank you bite of something and you love it? Mm -hmm. Man, that's awesome. You know what I want the people at the church to do coming up in a few weeks? Mm -hmm. I want them to have a no thank you bite of Wednesday nights here at church. If they've never come before, I want them to come and try out Wednesday nights. You know how we go to church on Wednesday night? I want everybody out there to come to church on Wednesday night coming up on August 10th and get a no thank you bite. Because I think if they come to church, they're gonna like, it's gonna be like that Oreo we just ate. Well, good morning. Now, aren't you ready to come to Wednesday night church on August the 10th to get free Oreos? I mean, I, I'm just going to say this. When I saw that video earlier this week and I was thinking about you seeing it this morning, I was like, man, it must be awesome to grow up in the Waldrop household, right? I mean, all those things she described, if you're a healthy person, it's like, okay, squash, you like your vegetables, asparagus, but then like, we're going to have Oreos. I mean, that, I love that video when I saw that this way. I was like, man, gosh, Shiloh, that's so much fun. She came up here to film that just for you this week. Uh, to remind you, you know, the reality is as we move through seasons of life and this fall is coming up, you know, it's just time to get back in church. You know, as, as I think about life and I think about community and I think about all of the people right now here connected at Calvary, those of you sitting in the room, and those of you still utilizing the online platform for good reasons, but sometimes as your reason to, well, I'm going to sleep in, I'm going to eat my drink my coffee, eat my Oreos here at home, right, and not come to church, you're just missing out on one of the greatest catalysts for faith in your life, being in community with people that help you walk with the Lord. God did not design us to be alone. And one of the great things that's coming up this fall is our Wednesday nights. And here's the thing. One of our deacons has always said to me, one of our leaders, and listen, he's one of those people you go, okay, well, you have done it a long time. You've been in church a long time. Maybe it should get old, but it doesn't. He says, Wednesday nights for me is that moment where my midweek recharge in my faith happens. 
My midweek moment of being able to grow in my faith, to be around people, is where it happens. August the 10th, we're asking you as a church family, listen, don't tune it out. We're asking you as a church family to take a no thank you bite. Except don't say no thank you. <laughs> We're asking you on August the 10th to come and get a taste of Wednesday nights. It's going to be our kickoff for Wednesday nights. We've got something for our men kicking off for our men's ministry and our men's group and connecting as men. We have something for you as ladies, a group that's launching. And another Bible study that's talking about growing deep in your faith. And I always have somebody that says, you know... I want to grow deep in my faith. Well, go to church. <laughs> Come and be a part of community. Come and be a part of a Bible study that will help you go deep in your faith. And I'm excited. August the 10th is our kickoff for Wednesday nights. By the way, it's just one of the things that's happening this fall as we try to continue to press on to move forward by faith as a church family. Hey, one of the other things that's really neat, yesterday... As I came by the church, I was moving my son into college, my oldest son in college. Isn't that hard to imagine? Man, it's like, golly. As we were getting him moved in, there was a crew of men involved here yesterday, not only serving the Lord, doing community, but they were, they were volunteering of their time to get this facility ready for the school launch of Calvary Baptist School, which is a part of this family of faith. Listen, in a week, school starts. And many of you, you have your places picked out um, for your kids. Some of you, you're looking for a place where, listen, your kid is going to get a no-nonsense education based on godly principles, based on the truth. You're looking for that? We start that school, and men, you helped do that yesterday. And I want to thank you for all of you that served yesterday. That's a big deal. It's a part of our family of faith. And I appreciate you exercising your strength to be a part of that vision for this church. A lot of neat opportunities to connect. And, and by the way, some of you, you may be looking for a place to serve. Calvary Baptist School has a place for you to serve. So we're excited about that too. A lot of opportunities this fall as we continue to move forward by faith. And today, what a great celebration. Because as we sang, then sings my soul, right? Isn't that a great song? As you heard Noah read a passage, today we're going to one of those great pictures of what it means to be saved. I want you to get your Bibles and turn to Exodus, the book of Exodus. We've been looking at the life of Moses, and there's one of these moments in the Old Testament that really reminds us of what it means to be a part of the family of faith. What does it mean to be a part of God's family? How do you get into God's family? How do you, as the word in the scripture would say, how do you become saved? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be rescued and brought into the family of God? What's all that terminology mean? Well, listen, some of you, you got saved a long time ago. Somebody prayed for you. You gave your heart to Jesus. You believed in him. You believed some facts, but maybe your faith has grown cold. Maybe you've forgotten what it means for God to actually save you. And as we as a church continue as a family of faith to move forward in this season of life, to commit to the Lord, I know that one of the most important things that we do, and you're going to see it not only in a moment of something that you're going to participate in, but you're going to see the fruit of it by something else that you've done and participated in as a church. You're going to see why it matters to be saved. Why it matters to be 
in the family of God, to be brought into the family of God. And in Exodus chapter 12, there's a picture, there's a moment where Moses is involved in this salvation experience, where God's people experience God's salvation in a very personal way. And this moment in Exodus chapter 12, it paints a picture for you today for what it means to be a part of the family of faith through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, today. And so in just a moment, we'll get to participate in that together. But Exodus chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 21 through 28 today. That's a snapshot of a major event that happens in the family of faith then. And it's a reminder for us today about what salvation looks like. We're going to talk about the gospel today. And, and what is the gospel? What, what does gospel mean? Well, for those of you that's been in church a while, you know gospel means good news. What good news? Well, if you're taking notes today, this is the gospel. And I want you to write this down because as we look at this, perhaps for those of you searching to be a part of God's plan and purpose for your life, or those of you who really understand what it means to be in God's family, maybe this is a reminder today for you as a part of this church and this family of faith. The gospel matters to you. It matters significantly to you. It's something worth coming out of the funk that perhaps you've been in or maybe you're still living in. And reconnecting and recommitting to God, to his purpose for your life, to your church family. And being able to say the gospel matters that much. It mattered to me then and it matters today because it matters for my future. This is what Exodus chapter 12 verse 21, this is what it says. Moses called for all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families. Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand, this is a very personal moment for families. It's easy to think about the nation of Israel, and it's easy to think about corporate church, and it's easy to think about those people. But what Moses asked the people of God, the nation of Israel, to do is to get very personal. I want you to get a lamb for the people you care about. I want you to get a lamb for your family. I want you to get a lamb for your household. And that's the instructions that he gives them before this dramatic event that happens in all of their lives. Go and take for yourself a lamb according to your family and I want you to slay the Passover lamb. Every household personally in this moment has a decision to make. Every person that was a part of the nation of Israel, it got really personal. They had to participate actively in the salvation that was to come on their behalf. They had a very personal decision that they, as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and children, had to witness and participate in personally before salvation would come to their household. This is a very personal moment. It's not just some corporate washing of people because they're all saved. No, everybody had to participate in it personally for what was going to come in their lives. That's the instructions. Verse 22, Moses says, 
take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin. And I want you to apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the two doorposts of your household. None of you shall then go outside of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door. And he will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and for your children, your household, the people that you love. You will observe this forever. When you enter the land, the Lord will give you as he has promised. You shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? When your children, your heritage, your legacy, your friends, what does this mean to you? Why do you do this? Why do you worship? Why do you go to Bible study? Why do you build community with Christians? Why do you go to church? When the people that you care about ask you this, you will say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but he spared our homes. And the people, when they heard this, they bowed low and they worshiped. And the sons of Israel, they went and they did so. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now, in history, many of you, if you've studied Scripture, you know this moment. You know that this is a moment of redemption. This is a moment of salvation. This is a historically unique moment for the people of Israel, for the sons and daughters of God of Israel. As they were captive in Egypt, here's the moment where they are set free. If you recall, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the gods of the Egyptians and how the God of the Bible, the God of the Hebrews, the God that we worship today was very intentional. Do you remember that message? We talked about his intentionality of dismantling one by one every excuse and every deity and every belief system that the Egyptian people were holding on to and that Pharaoh specifically was holding on to to keep the people oppressed and not let them go. And the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Bible, the God of salvation that you and I know today, he systematically, intentionally, one by one, proved who he was and what he was going to do. Very intentionally, very methodically. What you read today is the result of the last message that he would send to the Egyptians before his salvation would be delivered to his people. And the last message is to the Pharaoh, the one who viewed himself as a god, the one who the people believed had the power of life. They believed that the Pharaoh was the one who had the authority to give life and to take it. They worshiped him as God. And in this moment, Pharaoh's power was useless before the God of the Hebrews. Pharaoh's power had no control over life nor over death. Pharaoh learned in this moment, 
It was the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Bible, the God that you know today that had the authority to give life and to take it. And he was a God who was going to deliver his salvation to those who would receive it. He was a God who was going to deliver his covering and his redemption to those who understood who he was. And so in this chapter that you've read today, it's a reminder. God comes through with a story of salvation and redemption for his people. And therefore, we understand what it means to be saved. Gospel, good news. The gospel, what is it? The gospel is the good news of God's salvation toward us. And it is our response of faith toward him. I want you to write that down. What is the gospel? What is good news? What is salvation? What does that mean? And some of you, you know this well, but some of you perhaps, you question this. You're not clear on what it means in your life. Or you're not clear on how to share it with the people around you. What does it mean to experience gospel, salvation, redemption? The gospel. It's good news. Literally, that's what it means. Good news. The gospel is the good news of God's salvation toward us. Is that good news? Are you thankful for God's salvation for you? Yeah, we are. But it's not only the good news of God's salvation toward us. The gospel is also our response of faith toward him. The gospel is like a dance. Now, bear with me for just a moment, and don't hold this against me, but a couple of weeks ago, to celebrate one of my dear friends in church here, um, he said, look, to celebrate my birthday, uh, I want to go take dance lessons. So let's all get our friends and family, and let's go take dance lessons. So we went and took dance lessons. You realize it takes two people to dance? Now, now before, before you go, okay, I cannot believe, Pastor, that you went dancing. That's what Baptists don't do, right? Well, listen. If you saw me, you would have realized I wasn't dancing, okay? You have no problem with that, right? Because I'm not any good at it. I'm just telling you, right? But as we went to this experience and we were having a good time with some of our friends and church members, etc., and we're, we're just celebrating our friend's birthday, I realized as I took these dance lessons, it takes two people to dance. You, you can't just stand there and dance, right? Now, some of you, I know... You're not going to tell anybody, but you're probably really good dancers, right? Some of you, you, you probably had lessons before, or, or maybe you just, when the music comes on, you know what to do. I'm not that. I have two left feet, and that's just the way it is, okay? But some people, they understand, if you want to dance, you got to have a good dance partner, right? And a good dance partner, somebody that knows how to dance, well, man, all of a sudden, you're dancing. You're moving. You're having a good time. The gospel is like a really good dance, all right? Now, now, don't, I'm not trying to dumb it down. Don't get offended, but hold on just a minute. You see, in the dance, there's a person that leads. Gentlemen, most of the time we don't dance because we don't know how to lead when it comes to dancing, right? And then there's a person that can take the cues and respond to the one who's leading in the dance. This is true of those of you who like country music and your two steps, right? This is true of salsa. This is true of swing music. This is true of dancing, right? One person initiates with the lead, and the other partner, if they want to participate in the dance, they follow. The gospel is a great dance because God 
initiates his good news to save us. Isn't that good? But what happens many times is we go, oh, thank God for his initiation of the gospel. But the gospel is meant to be participated in. The gospel is not just the good news that God is going to provide the sacrifice and save us. This story as a picture of the gospel of what it would mean to know Christ and what it would mean to become a part of his family and be involved in the people of God. It's not just that God initiated the dance. It required a response. And the gospel is the good news that God, he reaches out toward us in salvation. But our response is one of faith. Toward him. We have to respond in faith and receiving what he's given. I want to talk to you this morning as I look at this passage about the gospel, salvation. What does salvation look like? What does it mean to be in the family of faith? What does it mean to experience God's salvation and his redemption? And in this passage, as is clear throughout all of Scripture, this event marks in Scripture. It's one of those huge moments in the Bible that marks what salvation looks like every time. How you experience it today is very similar to what happened for them then. And the gospel, salvation, it always begins first and foremost with grace. I want you to write that word down. Grace. The gospel always begins with God. God is the one who initiates salvation always. He is always the one who reaches out to people. He reveals his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, and his desire to rescue people. In the Exodus, it was his people being rescued from physical bondage, but also spiritual bondage. It was being rescued from the bondage of the ways of the world then. And it's true of us today. God's grace, in his mercy, he reaches out. He steps down. He condescends to our level to express to us the desire to rescue us. Physically, spiritually, to be able to rescue and save his people. God does that. That is important when it comes to salvation because every other belief system, the Egyptians face this, you face this today, people face this today in their thinking, philosophies, and religion. Everything else requires you to initiate salvation. You to step up from where you are to a higher level. You to earn the right to be good enough and be accepted by God. And there's only one problem with that. You're not. I'm not. We're not. Look at the news. Look at your own life. Look at your sins. There's enough flaw and failure in our being, in our character to doom us all. God in his grace steps down from heaven, intervenes in our life, and reaches out toward us to save us. It begins with him. 
It's the one who is greater, who has all the authority, the one who has the prerogative and the right. He has the right to make the decision on what to do with us. He has the authority to make the decision on what would happen to us. That's God. That's who he is. And with that authority and with that prerogative, what does he do? He doesn't strike us down. He doesn't deal with us for what we deserve. He steps down and he reaches out in grace to say, I have an amazing offer for you. I'm willing to redeem you. I'm willing to save you. I'm willing to give you some good news, which is the forgiveness of your sins and the inclusion into my family forever. That's gospel. And it begins with God's grace. Do we deserve it? No. Can we earn it? Never. And that's where many people miss the gospel. Let me be really clear again. That's where most people miss the gospel. They believe that it's something that they have to earn or something perhaps that they deserve or something perhaps that they can buy or measure up to God's standard. But we can't. Only God is perfect with the prerogative. And it says a lot about the character of God that he would desire to condescend, to step down, and to show us, reach out to us, and show us kindness, mercy, love, forgiveness, bring us peace and hope and spiritual life. That's what God wants. And therefore, that is a picture of his grace. Salvation begins by grace. The superior stepping down and offering to those around, hey, I want to give you this good news, this gift. That's what happens in the Old Testament in this moment. It is God's grace that initiates salvation for his people. It always begins with God. It is a picture of his grace. And by the way, the only people that have a problem with the graciousness of God. I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to highlight it. The only people that have a problem with God's love and God's grace are those who reject it. That's the only people that really want to question it is, it's not good enough for me. Okay, well then all of a sudden when you say, well, that's not good enough for me, I'm going to come up with another alternative. You got it right. You are, you're measuring your salvation, your standard by yourself. And gosh, isn't that a mess? I mean, what human do you know that you want to base your salvation on? None. And all of a sudden people reject. The only people that have a problem with the mercy, the grace, and the love of God are those who say, I don't want it. And that's the only people that have a problem. Who had a problem with it in the Old Testament in the story we read? The Egyptians. That's the only pr people that had a problem with it. Those who personally said, I want to apply God's salvation to my life, listen, there's no problem there, right? Why? Because they were covered. And that's the second thing. How would you be covered? How is it that you receive God's gracious offer of salvation? That's the second part, faith. It's grace that begins it, but it's faith that applies it. Grace initiates salvation. God initiates salvation always. You know that. You know when God's speaking to your heart. You know when God's lined up your life to get your attention. 
You know when God is at work and you sense something going on in your soul and your spirit. And you know, oh gosh, he's real. He's working. That's God initiating it. And God is always, because he is a merciful, loving, kind God who wants people to be saved. Even Simon Peter writes in 2 Peter, God is not like us. He is patient toward us. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the character of God. He initiates that. But not everybody receives it. Why? Because not everyone exercises and responds to the initiation of God's love and salvation. Not everybody responds by faith. And faith is the second part of what it means to be saved. That is your exercise. That is where you believe. But I, I, I want to take this a step further. Sometimes people believe, yes, God, he's good, merciful. I believe in God. And, and therefore, I'm good. I'm saved. But do you believe like your life depends upon it? I mean, it's one thing to believe facts. And a lot of people believe facts about God. So they're moving along as God initiates his kindness, his desire for salvation, his work toward them. They're moving along in the process. And then somewhere along, there is this belief. Well, I believe he did that. I believe God is good. I believe he exists. That's good enough. Um, Jesus was a good man. Jesus, um, yeah, he died on the cross, so I'll acknowledge some facts. The whole resurrection thing, eh, sometimes people go, well, I don't know. The whole Bible thing, well, I'm not sure I need to believe that. And so they start moving along, but they think that salvation has been boiled down to a series of facts that I must mentally believe to be saved. But do you believe like your life depends upon it? Back up for just a moment to the story that we're talking about. Because this is the picture of our salvation today. We're, we're actually going to participate together as a moment to remember what it's all about. <laughs> do you realize that the salvation that the children of God experienced then required that their faith was something that they had to act upon like their life depended upon it. And like the life of everybody that they loved around them depended upon it. And if you don't think that it mattered for their faith to be something that was so vital to them. That everything about who they were depended upon it. Um, all you had to do was look at those who did not exercise faith. By putting the blood of the Passover lamb on their household. You see the instructions were very clear. Moses gave the instructions. He said look. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the lamb. For your family. Very personal. Very real. I want your family to be a part of this experience. Where this lamb is sacrificed. On behalf of your house. Don't be thinking about everybody else. Your house. And as you sacrifice it, everybody in your house is going to understand what this means to you. It's going to require faith like your life depends upon it. And I want you to take the blood of the sacrificed lamb. What did the lamb do? Nothing. The lamb is the sacrifice. The lamb is the one that would be sacrificed on behalf of the household. And I want you to take the blood of the sacrificed lamb and I literally want you to put it over your household. I want you to put it on the two doorposts and over the top of the doorpost. Because when the destroyer comes through, he will see 
that your faith means something. Your faith had action. You took action. You didn't just believe a bunch of fa- Oh, yeah, there's a destroyer. He's going to come through. And there's this little ritual that we must go through. No, no, no. I want you to act on what you believe like your life depends upon it. Well, that's what they did. They believed with all they had. And for all those that put the blood of the Passover lamb on their household... When the destroyer came through to prove that it was the God of heaven that had the power of life. That it was the God of heaven that was seeking to show mercy and grace to anyone who would receive. To anyone who would believe. Not just facts, but who would act upon what they really believed. Who would believe with all that they were. Those are the ones that experience salvation. You see, salvation begins with God's grace. But it must be responded to. By faith. That I believe like my life depends upon it. And that's what happened for all the people there. They received by faith what God would do. And when the destroyer came through, he passed over their household. What is the next part of the gospel? God is going to initiate. Faith is about believing. But how do I know if someone believes? I mean, this... This is a real question for all of us today, I think, as Christians, and perhaps some people that are still searching. How do I know if someone really believes? The third part of salvation, once you have understood it's God who gives grace, and you exercise your faith, what follows faith, or what is a part of faith? Obedience. Obedience. You see, believing like my life depends upon it means that I'm going to act like my life depends upon it, right? And what happened when Moses gave the instructions to the household of faith, to the people of God? What does the Bible tell us happened? In verse verse, um, 27, Moses tells them, This Passover sacrifice to the Lord will pass over the sons of Israel when he Smites the Egyptians, but he spares your homes. And the people bowed low in worship. In verse 28, the sons of Israel, they went and they did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. The response to the gospel is initiated by God's grace, believed by faith, but then acted upon in our life. And I think so many times that's where people get confused. I think we get confused at times. If I'm a good Christian, I'll do these things. And if I'm a bad Christian, I won't do these things. And all of a sudden your faith becomes a checklist. What does it come back to? It comes back to your actions. What does it come back to? It comes back to a reality of maybe I'm the measuring point of salvation. But you're not. Why did the people respond in obedience? They knew it was God's mercy and grace that would cover their life. They believed that he was a God who would deliver. And their actions flowed naturally. Naturally out of wanting to be in relationship with him. Their actions came as a result of their faith. Their actions came as a result of God's grace and mercy. Their actions flowed naturally out of that. So many times I think for those that struggle early on in Christianity, or perhaps many of you who you've been faithful 
you've believed in God, in Jesus, in salvation for a long time. If you're not careful, your faith just becomes a checklist. And I think that's probably what's happened to a lot of Christians and churches in America today is we've changed our checklist. (laughs) Think about it. Our checklist has become more about convenience or feeling. But what we still want, we want the grace, we want the faith, but we're going to move obedience out of that as a reflection of what it really means to us to be saved. Christian, can I speak to you for just a moment? The grace of God and the payment of Jesus is so vital. Don't ever, and if you have today, we're about to have a moment with communion together. If you've stepped into a season of your salvation being cold, stone cold, stale, a checklist, nail that down today and get that right with God because that's not the price that was paid to set you free. God didn't set you free to put you right back in bondage. Obedience is a response to a God who is so gracious that we believe in like our life depends upon it. And therefore, our outflow toward him is a natural response of gratitude, worship, bowing low, and doing what he says because he's the God that saved us. Isn't that good? When you think about the difference between trying to impress him prove to him, serve him. Put all that back in perspective with the gospel. He saved you because he loves you and he wanted to. He offered that and how did you receive it? You believed it and you received it by faith. And out of your faith is the outflow now of God. Because of what you've done, I just want to serve. I want to follow. I want to do my best to be obedient in my life and with my choices because You have saved me. That is salvation. And the last part of salvation is the redemption. The redemption. What what happened? You're writing these words down. It begins with grace, faith, and then you have the response of obedience. You respond by faith, and then obedience flows, and that is a picture of redemption. The people bowed low and worshipped. Why? Because the blood, not their own blood, had been credited to their household. The blood had been applied to the doorpost of their household. A very practical, physical, active step for them to receive the salvation of God in their generation. Now fast forward the clock because obviously you're making the connection now in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, and in your spirit. What did God do for you? By grace, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. By faith, hopefully, everyone in this room and online, but if you haven't, now's your moment. By faith, you believed Jesus was the son of God. He came to this earth and lived a perfect life and died a sinless death on your behalf on a cross. He did that for you so that you would not have to. And he died and he shed his precious blood so that anyone, anyone who would believe in him as the Savior, the scapegoat, the one who would receive on himself the punishment that we all deserve for our humanity, our brokenness, our fallenness, our sins. 
Jesus took all of that on himself so that we could be saved. And we believe like our life and our soul and our eternity depends upon it, right? And with that, because he did that, we follow him in obedience that flows. And we know that he's not a dead Savior. We believe that he is a son, the Son of God risen because he is the one who has the authority over life and death. And he took his life back up with the authority of God and he lives today. And he lives and he dwells even by his Holy Spirit in the hearts of all those who believe right now. That is the gospel. And Why do you hold on to that so much? Initiated by God's grace, he's a loving God believed by faith you respond in obedience and what do you know about your life your soul your eternity your future what do you know you have been redeemed because Jesus paid a price that you could not pray pay he paid a price to rescue you and he did that and that's grace that's salvation that's faith that's how we respond that's redemption you see, they received redemption, the people of God back then, with the blood of the Lamb. You receive redemption today by your faith in God's Son, the sacrifice to redeem you today. And redemption means, very simply, you ready for this? Redemption means you're covered. Now, it's a little better than your insurance policy, because sometimes people look at salvation as their fire insurance policy <laughs> on your insurance policy especially for those of us in this region uh, there's a huge deductible but imagine if someone pays your deductible your premium your policy and says you're totally covered the blood of Christ covers you God's grace is so amazing. His love is so full that he sent his son Jesus to shed his blood to cover you. You are redeemed when you by faith receive the mercy and grace of God. When obedience, you respond with a yes to Jesus. The covering of his life comes to you. And the gospel, the good news, that God gives salvation to you is received by a response where you respond in faith toward him. And you begin a dance throughout your life that is the most beautiful part of you. Your household, your redemption, your story, your life, and your people, your church. Today, as we get ready to participate in a picture and a reminder of the redemption of God towards us, I hope that you Christian today or you who are searching today will understand it is the blood of Christ that will cover and covers totally your life. That with a response of faith and a response of God, I want to follow, that's obedience that redemption, it matters that much to you. Let's prepare our hearts with a moment of prayer. Let me just get everyone in the room and even online to just bow your head for a moment, to do business with God, to hear his spirit speak to you.
And before we continue with this moment, maybe someone here today or in our online family, you know you have not applied, acted, responded to God's redemption for you. You haven't placed the blood over your life. The forgiveness that God offers in his graciousness, his kindness. You haven't received that personally. And if that's you right now, I, I don't want to go any further without you personally saying, God, save me. With heads bowed and eyes closed, it's very simple. God loves you and that's why he reaches out. That's why he's speaking to your soul right now and you feel it you know it you know that he's speaking to you and it's personal and what he's saying is I love you so much that I did send the Redeemer Jesus but I'm speaking to your heart right now because you haven't responded you've tried to fill that gap with everything of yourself and other people and it doesn't fill your soul it doesn't answer the question of your salvation but Jesus does. And right now, as you know that to be true in your heart, but yet you know it equally to be true that you've never received it like your life depends upon it, like your soul depends upon it. Right now, you know it's time. So right where you are, I want you to pause and I want you to talk to God. And I want you to pray to Him from the depths of who you are and say to Him, God, I hear you, and I know I need you. You've been reaching out for a long time, but now I'm ready. You're gracious, you're kind, and you love me. And by faith right now, I give my heart to you. I believe in Jesus Christ, your son, and I want to be saved by his blood. I choose with all that I am to follow you and I want you to redeem me to cover me with your life Jesus with your blood with the future Jesus I want to give you my heart with our heads bowed and our eyes closed if that's you today then you just did something in your soul that matters also for your life that's the most important thing you could ever do and I don't want you to just walk out of here with that being something private. I want you right where you are, just lift your hand up to the Lord. If you prayed that, if you meant that, I just want you to show the Lord. And I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that. Anyone else today? Thank you. Thank you. I see that. You are, thank you. I see that. Yes. You are saying to God, today, God, I am saved. I am redeemed. And I'm believing like my life depends upon it. I'm responding with a yes to you. Before you leave today, I just want you to fill out that response card. Because I want to help you. We want to help you. That's why we are a family of faith. To help you walk in that relationship that God began in your soul right now. Christian, as you have been praying, how's your faith? How's your obedience? 
How do you feel about being redeemed? Right now, from where you are, maybe it's time for a new start. Maybe it's time for a deeper worship, a bowing low to realize the power of the blood, the power of Jesus. You see, I'll stop appreciating church and I'll stop appreciating Christians and I'll stop appreciating Bible study and I'll stop appreciating prayer and I'll stop appreciating acting like a Christian when I stop appreciating the blood. Christian, it's time to get back to Jesus. Father, by your spirit right now, I know that you're speaking to all of us. My dear friends in this room, online, Jesus, your blood matters that much. Without it covering us, we're dead. We're dead. We have nothing. But because of your grace, your love, the initiative to save us, and the simple response that we have of God, thank you. Yes. God, I want to follow you. Yes. By that response, you've redeemed. Today, God, we treasure, we respond, we renew because we're redeemed. And we thank you for your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a cup today. I encourage you, open the top of that cup. There was a sacrifice in Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb. There was a sacrifice in your life, the Passover lamb. And because the lamb was sacrificed, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the lamb of God, even John the Baptist, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what he said when he called people to repentance and to turn to Christ. He pointed toward the Lamb of God. Jesus, throughout his ministry, throughout the Gospels, he was known as the Lamb of God. And it was that Lamb of God who was sacrificed to take away my sin, your sin. And in the family of faith, our sin. So as you hold this cracker just for a moment treasure the broken body of Christ which he gave as good news for your salvation and as we treasure and we remember the sacrifice of Christ we eat in remembrance of him Jesus, Son of God, Lamb of God, thank you for saving us. And as you take and you open the second part of your cup,
in there is the reminder that it's always about the sacrifice and the blood. Our God is a God who honors the sacrifice of the sinless, the perfect. That's why our sacrifices will never measure up. It's only the sinless and the perfect. The Old Testament, Exodus chapter 12, is a foreshadowing of what Christ would do. Beautiful. The whole Old Testament is a picture of redemption. What God would do to save people. And he fulfilled it one final time. Do you know how he did it? One time. Why do we not do sacrifices of lambs and goats anymore? Why do our sacrifices not measure up? Because the whole Old Testament points toward one thing. The Messiah who would sacrifice his sinless, perfect blood for the forgiveness of all those who by faith would believe like their life depended upon it. That's me. That's you. And that's everyone in the family of faith who thanks God for the Passover lamb, amen, who shed his blood for the salvation of our life. And with that, we drink in remembrance of him. Jesus, we thank you for giving us the good news that you would save us by your blood by your sacrifice and God I'm so thankful that because of your son Jesus that in all of our lives today that Passover lamb has spared our lives saved our souls and made us right with you we are redeemed and covered by him God may we all walk even today from this place, renewed in our relationship, in our commitment to one another, in our faith, and in our obedience to you. Thank you. Thank you for the gospel, for salvation, for redemption, and for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Today has been a great day. But it's about to get even better. You're about to witness a picture of redemption. Matter of fact, we're on a roll because you've seen over the last several weeks this happening over and over again. As a church family, that theme, family of faith, is very important. Because as a family of faith, our focus on Christ is life-changing. A few weeks ago... You saw some stories about children who were baptized because of Vacation Bible School here. Matter of fact, last week was a great celebration in the life of one of our students. Today, you get to witness the salvation and the baptism of someone who gave their heart to Christ, who's been connected in this church. But you get to witness how this young man, he gave his heart to Christ, how he has been redeemed by Jesus, and he is a new young man. Listen. This happened through our student camp. When you think about giving at Calvary, your tithes, your offerings, why does it matter? This is why it matters. This is why we do what we do. It's why you give faithfully. Because at our student camp, which we support, which is a part of our student ministry, 
this young man gave his heart to Christ. Pastor Noah, there you are. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate. I know his family's here today, so I'm excited about you guys celebrating with us as Luis Matamoros has given his heart to Christ and is ready to be baptized. Yeah, I think it's so awesome, so amazing that we get to celebrate and remember what Jesus has done for us and now we get to celebrate what he does for us through his death, through his resurrection, new life change. So I want us to give a warm welcome to Luis and Lauren. Let's give it up for them as they enter the pool. This year, uh, student camp was so cool because I got to see God do some amazing things in Luis's life. Uh, I remember the night that Luis stood up in front of everybody with their eyes open in our group and said, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus. It took a lot of courage and he was the first person to do it. And his step of boldness and bravery to say, Jesus is my savior, helped two other people stand and say, I wanna follow Jesus as well. And as we walked and we talked after he gave his life to Christ, there was this amazing moment. And I asked him, Luis, you remember me asking you this? Luis, how much courage did it take to stand up right there and say you were giving your life to Jesus? It took a lot. It took a lot. And that night he said, every bit of courage that I have. But he did that and it empowered two more people to give their life to Christ. And so I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited that we get to baptize you. Let's uh, take a quick picture together and then we're going to baptize you. Lisa, I want to ask you, is Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord? Yes. Yes. Well, Luis, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. I just want to tell you, church, God is still moving. He's moving in New Orleans. He's moving in our lives. He's moving in our students. And I want you to continue to be a part of that as we go out this week and we share the gospel and we are a light for Jesus. I want to pray over you as we dismiss today. God, thank you so much for the story of life change. I pray over Luis and I just ask that you would continue to help him grow in his faith and become a stronger believer in you. And that down the road, we'll see stories of Louis sharing his faith with other people and them getting baptized as well. I pray for every person at our church today that you'll empower us this week to share your gospel and to respond to it how we need to. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And you're dismissed.